our human self is not perfect. Our, our perfection is within. Our truth is perfection. It's nothing to achieve. You already are. You already are. You already are whole and perfect and healed and well and loving and powerful. We already are those things. Uh, the imperfections are the things that keep us away from the truth of who we are. And so we got to experience those. And so we're not going to be perfect. And yeah, we might get judged. You know, we've seen people get taken down big time. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, and you just got to send them compassion, you know, whether it's a movie star or a president, like whatever. They're just people, you know, who have feelings and they're not perfect. And I'm not perfect. And if you're getting challenged, if you're if it's stirring stuff in, up inside, that is the work. That is it. Yeah. Any swirliness that happens when you feel resistance, that is the work. That is immediately the work. Go right there. Mm-hmm. Cut right to the chase. That's where you want to know what you have to work on. Anytime you have a, a disturbance, there it is. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. You guys, I'm Jess. I'm here with Beach, and this is our December episode of The O Show, where we talk open and honestly. And uh, it's kind of how we always talk, but uh, we get to dedicate an hour every month to just riffing and seeing what's going on and sharing about what's going on in our lives, our bodies, what we have coming up. Um, and then, of course, we love to dig into topics, which we're going to do today. I think a topic we're going to dig into is authenticity, this kind of buzzword we've been hearing the last couple of years. And we touched upon it in our episode with Will McCloy, which launched a week ago. Um, so if you haven't listened to that podcast, listen to that podcast. I feel like if I could interview Will McCloy like every week, it would just be I'd love so to do much sh- fun. I'd love to do a show with him every oh single my God. week. I Amazing. Mean, so much we could talk about. So many stories. Yeah, we really, really enjoyed that. And um, he is the lead commentator for Super League Triathlon. But it's like, man, we just like tapped into and had this really great conversation, which he apparently, it really feels like he was ready to have that conversation too. He had been listening to the podcast and like, oh yeah, like let's let's go in. And he just shared open and honestly. Uh, it was really cool. So um, so yeah, so here we are. It's Saturday afternoon and uh, we just got back from a little family run walk. Hi, Beach. Hey. Good to be here. Good to be open and honest. We do talk a lot openly and honestly to ourselves, but it's nice to invite our entire community to hear a few things that we that we riff about. We riff about so much. <laughs> sometimes you just wish we had a a recorder going. Yeah, sometimes I'm glad we don't have a and recorder. Sometimes I'm glad we don't have it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, the run. You know, I wasn't even supposed to be here this morning. Uh, I was going to go out for a ride, but the universe had different had a different story. How, why? How did you create it to be differently today? So my bike, I have one bike, and the shifting on the bike was not working properly. It's probably the first kind of mechanical issue I've had with actual electronic shifting. So I wouldn't go into the big chain ring. I tried to fool, tool around with it myself. However... I did experience this two weeks ago on my last outdoor ride, and I noticed I wasn't able to shift into it. Two weeks have passed, delay, didn't think about it, and here I go to get up for a ride. 
this morning to go out um, and can't go. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't just like a ride. You were like, yeah, like I'm feeling this. I'm going to get back on the bike. You're going to go out and ride with Scotty and some other people you didn't know, really know who you're riding with, but you were psyched to go out and ride. Uh, I feel like you shifted pretty easily. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a super deep mode of detachment work. Why is detachment important? It changes my whole life. Mm. I really believe that. How? Well, that moment when I realized I was super attached to the sport of triathlon when I was injured and couldn't do the sport, it was the experience I needed to really unearth this attachment to a sport that I, I absolutely love the sport. And I somehow in, in the process, who I was became that sport. And there wasn't any room to breathe in there. Um, but it, it woke me up to the possibility of having the best of both worlds. I can still participate and do the sport I love, but I don't have to be defined by it. I don't have to grip so tightly. And that was the up level. That was the teaching. That was, the, that was detachment. And I did that video in Placid, I think that was, that was a channeling. I think I had meditated and I got this clear focus and then did a video when, uh, in 2016, when I was unable to race in Placid and just really honed in on detaching and removing in that instance, the timeline of when things would be achieved. Mm, yeah. Timeline. Yeah. We've been, uh, I've been back at it on Thursdays or weekly rather with uh, Valerie and Megan doing IG lives. And we've been, Valerie really came in strong. Like when we came back and she was like, you guys, we got to talk about expectations and, and attachment and, um, really what we've come to agreement on is that expectations are not the problem. Like when you couldn't race Lake Placid in 2016, cause you got really sick the expectation of racing, that wasn't the problem. The problem was, you know, the attachment to it because you were really driving to get to the world championship at that point. And it's been really cool. We've done two now, just kind of digging into expectations, attachment to expectations. Last week we talked about like low expectations, why we talk, why we set low expectations. Um, and it all really boils down to the same thing. It's this attachment piece, which, um, if you think about attachment as like an, an anchor, right? Like it just carries weight to the experience. And then I think will also drag us down a little bit as we try and move forward. Um, I don't know how we got here, but we just did a little run walk. <laughs> I don't know how let's we got bring there. It, let's bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back to the run walk, <laughs> which again, is something I'm really, well, Clark and I are really doing well lately is this run walk. I've actually moved from somewhat walking to a little bit of running. And then today was our first day of 30 second run, 30 second walk. I love the run walk. Like, I feel like I, if there was like, is there a run walk, like sport? Well, it's the whole Galloway. Um, mm. Yes. <laughs> They used to drive me. The Galloway method. They used to drive me crazy back in my very low tolerance days. Um, in this instance, we're using the run walk as a way to to ease back into run training. I just training. love the run walk. Does does not everybody love the run no, walk? 
Why? What's the what's the complaint? The most common feedback I get is that it's hard on the body. Like as soon as they start running, they stop, and it's like a jolting impact or jolting experience to uh, from going from running to walking. And my rebuttal to that most often is that the the running should be you're not really running. You're kind of just like all right. So let's reframe this. This is this is the opportunity athletes, myself included, and you included, are presented with when we're working our way back into full-on running. Maybe we're injured. Maybe we took some time off. I believe this practice safely returns you to, the, to running in a, healthy, in a healthy way that allows you to continually progress. And it, it can be extremely challenging for the ego. Because the recent past history has said you can run whatever, 90 minutes straight. And if you haven't done anything since then, then the mind is going to say, I can just pick up where I left off. But a healthy approach, in my opinion, this coach's opinion, is to ease back in through a run-walk. So you just sort of walk for five minutes, and then you go into five minutes of 15 seconds, just a little jog, a little shuffle, get the feet moving, get the legs turning over, and then walk for 45 seconds. And then repeat that five times. So what do you think creates the jarring that? Probably wanting to run too hard. Uh, also a lack of presence, focus, you know, just trying to get it done. I want to get to the running, you know, I want to run, I want to get there. Oh, now I got to walk and I got to stop and walk. Yeah. I feel like the, what's coming up for me is, is it's like, it's like body control. It's like fluidity in your body, being able to go from walking to a nice fluid run back into a fluid step of walking. And what I'm thinking about is when you're riding your bike and you're in the saddle and you get out of the saddle and then you get back into the saddle, is there a, is there a rough spot there or is it a smooth transition? And so if somebody feels that way about the run walk, I don't know, maybe feel that on the bike or you, is there a rough spot there? Cause if there's a rough spot there and there's a rough spot with the run walk, I don't know, maybe there's some body control, some more fluidity, some more flow that there's an opportunity to embody as you shift, you know, whether in the saddle, out of the saddle or, um, from running to walking. But I think that it can be really seamless if you give it also some practice. So that's another question I would have is like, how much practice, how much willingness is there to kind of practice this and see where they can smooth it out? Just similar to like a breathing technique. If we're looking at a breathing technique of like, it's almost like pouring, it's pouring oil into oil. So just like it's seamless, inhale, exhale, seamless. That's like one technique to control the breath. It's just seamless. So like pouring oil into oil for walking to running back into walking. It's just this seamless flow of body control and fluidity, which I think asks for very little tension and constriction in the body. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking right now. What do you think about that? I, I think that all makes sense. As you're saying that, I know I shouldn't be thinking about anything, but what was coming to me was it's, 
you would look at what I'm sharing or you're sharing, and we have evidence and experience to, to show that no matter how, how slowly we ramp up, we are going to run again and we can get back to form. It's happened too many times. So we have evidence and proof. So my belief where athletes may doubt this strategy is because they don't have the physical evidence or proof. They believe from what they've experienced that they, they can get back to running quicker if they just start running. So does that make sense? Yeah. But what's the rush? My, my, my comment most often is what's the rush? What are you rushing, to, what are you rushing for? Let's begin to work with this transition back into running and, and, and meet it and greet it with a maybe a little less intense approach and more patient, patient <laughs> perfect word, more patient? patient approach. Like, how does that feel and how does that work? And if you're getting challenged, if, you're, if it's stirring stuff in, up inside, that is the work. That is it. Yeah. Any swirliness that happens when you feel resistance, that is the work. That is immediately the work. Go right there. Mm-hmm. Cut right to the chase. That's where you want to know what you have to work on. Anytime you have a, a disturbance, there it is. And how many conversations we've had with professional athletes and coaches on this podcast, but the conversations that happen when the mics are turned off, because we're typically chatting with our guests before and we chat with our guests after. And things that maybe don't make it into the podcast, we'll talk about like comebacks from injury and things like that. And, you know, not because we've purposefully kept it off, but just like that's where the conversation goes after we get off, get off recording. And, you know, professional, this is what professional athletes are doing. They're doing run walks um, to come back. And uh, I don't know, I think it's pretty successful. But yeah, I mean, if it's, if there's the just anywhere in your life, if there's like a moment of constriction or charge or trigger, like that's the work. That's it's not complicated. Work. It's really not. It's not the run walk. Let's not blame the run no, walk. No, it's not the run walk. <laughs> the run walk is the disturbance that's causing. So, and I'm, and I'm not saying that it, you know it doesn't feel jarring. It probably does feel jarring. But is there resistance to see if if you can smooth that out? Um, and then if there is, just look at that. Just look at that. Um, you know, it's just good to look at where we're resisting. I'm not saying that everybody in the world has to run walk. Like nobody's going to be punished or judged if you run walk or don't run walk. Because any choice you make is going to teach you what you need to learn based on that choice. So there is no wrong decision because everything's going to teach you its inherent wisdom if you're awake to, you know, wanting to learn. But if you are open to wanting to learn, just notice where where you're resisting. I remember um, when Bob, meditator Bob was first teaching me about attachment, he was like, just, just, you know, like, don't, don't go crazy with it, but just like, watch, like watch when you peel the banana in the morning. Is there anything like, is it not as ripe or is it too ripe or is it, or like the avocado, if it's brown in the middle, like, how does that feel? Just notice how you feel. You just start to notice like these little places where you're attached in life. And these are all little anchors and tethers that hold us back and hold us down. Um, well, circling back to Placid mm-hmm. and what I learned from that, that was the jump start to seeing those little things. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just triathlon. Yes, triathlon was the obvious one because it was right front and center in my face. And I was able to work through that. But it, it opened up a whole bunch of things. And 
that was so timely too, because we were both on the road together for six months, right? Like that, I guess we went into something really big <laughs> pretty quickly with detachment. I mean, we left everything behind. And, I, and that's something I'll never forget is just the moments we've talked about, the medals, the things that you kind of hold on just to the very end. And then you're like, I don't really actually need that. And then you let it go. And then you don't even remember it. It could be a day, it could be a year or 10 years later. You're like, I don't even remember it. You may have one fleeting like, oh, I wish I had that. I know you've had that experience. Oh, you vocalized before. I have this one before. shirt. This one shirt. This is, I swear to God, this is the only thing. This is the only, I, I mean, believe me, I love my the family. Only I thing. love my family. The only thing. But I don't miss the pictures that I threw away of them or of you. I miss this one prana shirt. Oh my God, I loved that shirt. And I remember like making that decision and I let it go. It was the best shirt ever. And I still want, I want that shirt back. Isn't that funny? It's so many years later. That's it. Seriously, that's it. That's the one thing. I can't, I cannot think about anything else that is, that really lingers, that lingers. I don't know what it yeah, is. The, linger, the lingering like the attachment. the best shirt ever. Lingering attachment. All right, moving on. All right, so so we did our run this morning. Yeah. That was... Run, walk. Run, walk. <laughs> it's beautiful. We had Clark um, with us, which is, he's such a great... He's uh, a little jarring. He can make it a little jarring sometimes. Yeah, he's such a good buddy, though. I've been enjoying this, this time. Like, sometimes when we run along the boardwalk, we jump on the benches. Yeah. And he waits for people to say hi, and... Yeah. yeah it's been it's been great. This, I think it's a great way to just tame the ego, too. To do it, to stop at the bench, let the let the watch keep going. Like we did a fifteen thirty mile today. It's also like really fueling though. Like I can't wait <laughs> to get back. I shared with you last night. I just want to run hills. Yeah, Ooh. give me a hill. I want to go run up a hill. Speaking of hills, yeah, but not running up hills. This just in. Like literally, just got the confirmation a moment before we started recording. Yes. <laughs> Do you not know what I'm talking oh, about? Pure Vita? Yeah. We are going back. We're going back to Pure Vita Cycling Challenge in May. So it backs right up to our Costa Rica yoga and meditation retreat as well. So let me get the dates. Um, but we are going back and I'm so excited. And so let me ask you this, BJ. What are you most excited about, about going back to um, Alajuela? Alajuela. Alajuela. Um, for the Pure Vita Cycling Challenge. I want to see the community. All right, just want to uh, ride with those guys. Tony. All of them. <laughs> Abel, Luis, Vale. Yeah. Joel. Diego. Yeah, Joel. So this trip that we're going to go on is... But I'm also excited not to be coming off an Ironman the week before. It's the 6th to the 10th. Yeah, you're not going to be coming off an Ironman. And this says that you're not doing St. George 70.3. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So we've got Oceanside April 1st, and then we've got the Pura Vida Cycling Challenge, which is the 6th to the 10th. And then... Um, the Awake Minds Yoga and Meditation Retreat from the 13th to the 20th. And if you, um, first of all, let's, let's do this. Like, 
join us. You've heard us talking about it. And if it was on your heart before, come and ride with us. It's really cool. You become family with this community. And I agree, BJ, um, 100%. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to is that first day that we roll out and we meet, we meet the local crew and just that reconnection. I'm so excited because we've stayed in touch with them. And um, yes, it's the climbs. Yeah, it is. It's the day after day after day it's of the big riding. bottles of Coke. But it's so much more than that. It's, it's such a transformational experience. And it's so funny because we've got that queen stage, which is the Tuesday of the challenge. And um, that's the Sacramento climb, which is like sick. It's got like almost 30% or 30% pitch at one point. And I'm meeting the girls in Nosara on the 10th. So I'm going to head out like um, a day early and I'm trying to figure out how to avoid. Here's my resistance. I'm like trying to figure out like, how can I figure out how to avoid the queen stage? But I can't and I won't. Wait, when does the yoga retreat start? The 13th. Oh, you got three days. Yeah, well, I got to I got to go in, dude. I got to go in with my girls. We'll we'll be doing days like half days of silence and we do a little retreat before we lead the retreat. Cuz we're not on retreat when we're leading the retreat. Like we're holding the space and we're we're leading the retreat. So, I'm going to meet them on the 10th in Nosara and um so I'm just going to miss one day of the challenge. And then we're going to head over to Blue Spirit on the 13th, on Saturday. So I'm going to spend a couple days in Nosara, which is, we're going to be right down the street from Blue Spirit. Yeah, I'm psyched. Um, so yeah, so get your bike fitness on point and come join us. There's still some spots available. And then if you really want to go all in with a super cool experience, come and join the yoga retreat the following week. Um to do that back to back is pretty cool. That'll be insane recovery. Or continue training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, that beach, Guiones Beach, where Blue Spirit is like you walk down this like beautiful little path. It's like 700 feet to the beach and you can run for miles on that beach. It's just flat sand. It's great. You can run with your sneakers. You can run barefoot. And then open water swims. We were doing open water swims last year. We had a little group that was going out every day. So I'm sure you'll be doing those things um, Mm -hmm. as uh, we've got some triathletes that are coming on the trip. And um, yeah, pretty pumped about that. So join us for one or both. Yeah. I like that these two-week trips are becoming common. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I like it. All right, what else? Bike camp. Yeah, most, don't say most. So I'm getting ready. So we started a bike camp, unknowing if we were going to go to Pura Vida Cycling anyway. Um, But bike camp was on the plan for the team. I was was going, with or without you. You're going to go four days. With or without you. Scoot out. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, we the most uh, I shouldn't say most. Uh, some of the team is in bike camp starting started on Monday. Eight weeks of uh, s- turned out to be six rides and two days are double rides, uh, and four of the rides are intense, have intensity in them. And 
Yeah, a bunch of people are started on Monday, but there's more that are going to start next week and then more they're going to start like January 1st, just based on how their holiday calendar is, travel, uh, late re- season racing. So yeah, uh, people are in camp and we're getting, Daniel and I went live yesterday uh, on the Friday live with the team. People are loving it. They love the ease of it because we're using Trainer Road, uh, that app. Uh, doesn't mean you have to have Trainer Road. You can mimic the workout in other applications and you can mimic the workout in other things other than power and watts. You can use heart rate or rate of perceived effort. So there's a way to do it. And uh, yeah, they're loving it. It's really focused, really like dialed in uh, to get you guys strong and ready for the Pure Vita Cycling Challenge. Yeah. I'm not in it yet. Still working my way back, but what are your thoughts on it so far? Yeah. So I'm, I started a week before, uh, everyone I'm in coming into finishing up my second week and the first day I did the first, it was like Monday night I started and I did the ramp test, which is basically like go until you can't go anymore. And then went right into the first workout, which had intensity in it. And my legs were like toast and uh, I was like, this is a lot. Like you came out to check in and I was like, this is a lot. I feel like this is a lot for the first day. Like this is a lot. And you were like, it's good. And I was like, it's a lot. Okay, well, let's just let's just see how it goes. Because I can get on Palomar and I can climb and climb and climb and climb and climb and climb and climb. You know, I did Mount Lemon, climb, 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 just... Nice, spinning up the mountain for hours, you know, strength, but this high intensity, like that ramp test was to get my FTP, but that's not like you just do your workout under the FTP. And like last night I did sets, intervals, like 200% of my FTP. But how many were there? It wasn't. How many were there? Nine? Six. 20, six times 20 seconds. Six times 20 seconds. But yeah, that's a... Plenty of rest in between. Yeah, plenty of rest in between. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the first night it was like, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to go with it and we're going to see how it is. And um, I'm going to trust my fitness. I'm going to trust the the legs that I have. And I was fine. I was totally fine the next day. Rode again. Um, yeah, it's going really well. I'm loving it. Uh, I love riding my bike and I love... I love uh, getting fit. I love being swim fit. I love being bike fit. I, I love it. I love it so much. And my body feels so good when I do it. My body doesn't always feel great with running. You know, I just, I've got, like, I have a 25-year-old snowboarding injury in my ankle. And, and that's in a 50-year-old body. Like, I had that injury before I even started triathlon. And it's amazing what it's allowed me to do. I love it so much. Um but the swimming and the biking, I just love it. And I love how fit you get. I just totally dig how strong I am without the impact of running. I love that. So I'm digging it. I think in the last episode, we talked about how I just got a trainer. That paid itself off in the first day because I haven't ridden outside since. I love riding outside, but it's, you know, it's winter in California. So, um, Today is a day off. I went down to beach yoga. I received a class from a fellow yoga teacher. It was fantastic. And I could feel all the bike fitness in my body 
or the bike stress, I should say. Like, um, and then I've got a double ride tomorrow and still getting some swims in and little run walks. But yeah, I'm feeling really good and strong. And I can't wait to see the, you know, just the impact of this after eight weeks and also go back and just crush those climbs in Costa Rica. I love it. I'm excited. Yeah. So, so far, so good. I, so what, two weeks, I've got six weeks left. And then in the midst of that, we'll have camp. Um, so definitely be ready for that. And, uh, yeah. I think, I don't think it can be discounted that you're doing yoga as well. Oh my God. I think that's huge. That complements the cycling camp as well as the swimming. As well as life. Yeah. I, I don't see, I don't know how many I don't, I don't see how it can go know. any other way. <laughs> although know. people do it, which is cool. <laughs> All the time. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how people are doing it without yoga and meditation. I just don't know how you're doing it. And uh, but I do because I used to do it without meditation. And then there was a time a long time ago that I did it without yoga. I can't even remember because I've been doing yoga since I was 18 years old. Um, but you know, meditation for 12, 13 years now. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot more highs and lows, that's for sure. But also just at 50 years old, how the yoga supports my body and the yoga on the beach today was just so lovely. It's not a power vinyasa, it, but it was like every stretch was made for me. It was so good. Just opening through my neck and cause I'm also like, not only am I doing all this intensity in these workouts, but there's also this like getting used to bike trainer position. Yeah. It's slightly different than being outside. Mm-hmm. I learned that a lot when I got my re- my bike refit at, um, with, uh, Ivan, uh, O'Gorman in Boulder. I just, it was like a eye opening, like whew, sitting on the trainer is totally different. Um, or can be different. You just gotta be really aware. You gotta be really <laughs> present when you're, when you're biking, cause you can ease off so much that you actually change your position when you're cycling there. So yeah. I can't. Um, all right, let's switch gears again. So you were finishing up listening to Will McCloy's podcast today, and he said something that really hit me, and I just loved it. Um, he said, he was thanking us. He said, you know, thank you for um, pushing the platform of authenticity with people. This idea that we are not showing up in a in a way where it's not true to us, meaning we're like trying to show up in a way that's protecting us, which it takes courage. Like it's protecting us from the judgment of others or we're showing up to please others. We're just showing up as we are, which is this real effortless version. Um, And that effortless version, although effortless, and I like this discernment he made, takes courage. It takes courage to show up this way. But as you continue to do it, it is effortless. And talking with him shined a light on, you know, his perspective of us through listening to the podcast that we're doing that. And 
And I think when you're in it and you're doing it and that courage is just normal, that it feels effortless, but to have that reminder of like, oh yeah, it, it did. Yeah, it does take courage, but then the courage gets, gets wrapped into the norm of just being who you are. Yeah. It takes no effort to be who you are. I think that's how the, we got started on that mm-hmm. discussion with him. I loved listening to that. I think I think it, it it's a really powerful topic, one that I can speak for myself. I've navigated at times with a lot of courage, and sometimes I've you know defaulted back to what's comfortable, and that's that person who's trying to be someone. I quickly remembered my first few days back at Newport Harbor Corporation. When I went back, you weren't back yet, but I was immersed back into the corporate office atmosphere, tucked in the corner office, sort of taking the role of the person who was there before, but not actually the duties of that person. I wasn't, I wasn't in the same level as what was there. It was kind of like a different role. But in my eyes, when I went into it, I was like, okay, I need to be doing these things. And so I felt like I had to put on a persona that was somewhat not me coming from working at home, having his own business, hiring interns and and working on multiple projects and not really having to manage a lot of people, quiet atmosphere at home into this corporate world. And, And I remember that as I look back. And it was hard to do that. What was the persona? Just let's get everybody on the same page. Let's make sure everybody's working towards the same goal. Let's, if there's somebody who's having a trouble here, let's, you know, let's really work on that. When it really wasn't my, <laughs> to be honest, it really wasn't my responsibility, you know, moving into this role. And it was a growth process for sure. Definitely was a growth, internal growth to try and, figured this out, but flash, flash forward, you know, um, a year or two, maybe even not that long. I started to just come back to myself. I started to, well, I guess it was around the time the injury happened, you know, that epiphany, that light bulb goes off and says, you just need to be your best. You just need to be you Uh, and let, let you come out, let you who, you know, really loves to do fitness. So in the middle of the day, you ask your people in the corporate, in the office space there to do planks for one minute, you know, twice a day or start a little run group or invite them all to master swim, you know, starting to eat healthy, like let's go eat healthy. And, and that started the snowball. And that was my, that was me. That was more me than anything in the world. And it took less, way less effort. And it, it actually, kickstarted that my transition out of the company, you know, cause alignment wasn't, alignment wasn't there. So as you became more of yourself, you realized that actually where you were is not where you, 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 as you stepped into yourself, it was like you were simultaneously outgrowing the role of that position. Mm-hmm. Now that could be super scary because it's like, well, if I'm myself at work, like I might get fired. Yeah. And you might. Yeah. I remember 
more so, and I've shared this definitely before, like going into reviews, yearly reviews. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to be me. Whereas before I would, you know, really like study up on some, maybe some numbers or like really get stressed about it and prepare for it. And when I just started to be me, like have a conversation, and maybe that was the culture of the company, it just was so much more easeful. I didn't care if I was getting a 3% raise or a 3.6% <laughs> raise or a 2.1% raise. It didn't bother me. That wasn't my focus. My focus was to go in there and have a conversation as a human to another human. Yeah, I think that's a big one is just realizing like there's these roles and these hierarchies in a corporate structure, but behind that is just a person. You know, they have their fam- favorite set of jammies and sometimes they get scared and they brush their teeth and they put their shoes on the same way. Like, it's just a person. And uh, I've really taken that approach for years now when I call, like, especially when I call the government, like if I have to call the franchise tax board, I'm just like, I'm just talking to a person who's like going to work and, you know, like has to put gas in the car. And I've had such great experiences since realizing that all I'm doing is speaking to another human Human. being who's probably way more similar to me than they are different. That was another thing you mentioned in the podcast with Will, just how we're more similar. Like we're all working through the same things, whether you're a professional athlete, a commentator, a mom, a podcast host, it doesn't matter. We're all working through the same things, working with the same things. Uh, I remember um, when I left my job in, so I was in event planning when we moved to Boulder and we were getting married and we were eloping. And I told my boss knew I was doing events. My boss knew. And I remember the night before we left to go get married, he left me a message and he said, you know, I just want to make sure we're clear that this is a working vacation and I, di- I didn't I didn't return the message. I just made a decision before we left. I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit when I get back because that's ridiculous. This is not going to be a working vacation. And we went on our honeymoon. I don't even think I even thought about it because I was so done. And, um, and anyway, so I left that job. And the next job I got was at the bookstore at the Boulder College of Massage Therapy. Like, I didn't care about 401k. I didn't care about any, I just wanted what was true to me in that moment was a job where I could go in, be amazing, like be my best self and then leave. I was really burnt out with this 40 hour. None of this stuff was like making sense to me anymore. And plus event planning wasn't that spark that was within me, which was, I always ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to, I knew I was going to be in a position in life where I was going to be assisting people or guiding people, but it wasn't, I wasn't going to be a doctor. It wasn't going to be, I mean, my whole life I would be like, nah, it's not a dentist. Nah, it's not a nurse. And so that spark never went away. And when I left event planning, I knew that that was a time in my life where I was going to make this transition to whatever that next step was. And I, in the Boulder Daily Camera, I saw an advertisement, because that's where you looked for jobs back then, uh, for the Boulder College Massage Therapy in the bookstore. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. So I go to the interview and and I just remember um, Sue, oh man, what was her last name? 
Anyway, I don't need to say her last name. Her first name was Sue. She was awesome. We had a great relationship. Spoiler alert. Um, And I just remember being in the interview and she said something like, so, you know, what's your vision or where do you think you're going to be in five years? And it was such an authentic moment. And I just said, look, here's the deal. I just want to come to work, be awesome and leave work and not bring it home with me. You are not going to regret hiring me. And that's really the vision that I have. Just hire me and we're good. And like, this is going to be all good. And I remember her just being like, okay, so, and that was kind of the end of the conversation. And she called me that night and she was like, all right, so I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to hire you. And I was like, awesome. And then that began the whole, like becoming a massage therapist and then becoming a yoga teacher and then becoming who I am today as a mindset coach. So it was just really funny. I just remember in that moment, having this moment of like, okay, I'm going to tell her what my vision is. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to tell her exactly what I'm looking for, which is a job that I'm going to be so awesome at. I'm like, look at you want me behind that front desk. And then I'm going to just be honest. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to be honest and see what happens. And and she hired me. She called me that night and she hired me and she was kind of laughing about it because she thought that that interview was a little ridiculous. Um, so you ha- I think you have these moments in your life, at least I have, where you can see where you're going to go down like, okay, let me answer this in the way that's going to get me the job or let me answer this in the way that's me and I'm going to trust that whatever happens is going to be the jumping off point for whatever's next. And so in that moment, that was the job. Yeah. I think honesty can take you, can take you far, can take you places. Well, the truth will set you free, right? It's so true. <laughs> think about Amrita bars when we got the email and he, I just replied to an email that a standard marketing email. And I was like, Hey, if you're ever looking for if you're ever looking for somebody to do, you know, web design or marketing, you know, I'm I'm a plant-based athlete. I would definitely be uh, interested in hearing about it. And I think a day went by, and then I got an email back from Arshad. He was like, "Yeah, actually, I'm looking for somebody to." And just like that, the transition—not that I needed that safety net, but the transition you, became. I definitely needed the I safety net. I think you net. did need it. I think we all. <laughs> I think we both needed it. Like you were walking, but. You were walking away from a lot of money. It was, yeah, fifty at least 50% or more pay cut to go this route. And then that was only for like two months, or three months. Yeah, and then so, it was like, then I realized, here's the, here's the big realization that I can't work for anyone. So this is, I think this is a good authentic moment else. too. I think this is a really good authentic moment because you could have quit that job in one way and you quit it in a very honest way. So tell us that story. With Arshad, yeah, yeah, I it, I told them that you know things have things have shifted and we are hitting the road, and uh, I'm going to you know go into coaching and that's going to be my my gig and I'm no longer going to be able to work for work for you, but I was upfront and honest about it. Like we're pursuing our our dreams. We're going after something that you know, is, is scary for a lot of people, scary for me, but I feel I must, I must pursue this. And he was super supportive. He was like, great. Awesome. 
right? Again, this shows alignment, more alignment. Like just these moments in life, these little signs that you see, you, you got to really appreciate them. And Arshad is, is one of those, you know, amazing people uh, who helped us along in our journey in so many ways. And one of them was, was just this right here, this relationship of like open arms to welcome me in to a position and then to set me free, uh, let me go freely. And we've had a great relationship um, since then uh, as friends. And that's, that's actually one of our behind the scenes, um, values here at Yogi Triathlete with our, with the athletes and our coaches, we always say, welcome them freely and let them go freely, like welcome them freely and let them go freely. Um, and I think that that's so important. Yeah. To just be honest with who you are. So, but how the heck do we find out who we are and what we want? So how does somebody find out, like, how do they begin to start to unearth this authentic self? Go out and have experiences. You got to go out and have experiences that don't feel comfortable. You know, Will McCloy talked about this too. He went to London, right? The story of going to London. He showed up in a tank and, <laughs> and board shorts from Australia. And he's like, I forgot it was winter. Uh, to teach French, I think French, he had no idea how to speak French, and to do something else, I forgot. <laughs> anyway, he he left a shy person, had this experience, and came back a year later and was a completely changed person. And a lot of that has to do with the attitude that you bring to it. Like, are you ready for something like this? When I continued my work at that corporate level, I made a definitive decision to be more me. When I walked in the office, this open office atmosphere, nobody had, you know, cubicles or nobody had walls. It was wide open. I was, good morning, everyone. You know, how's everybody doing today? They'd be like, good, how are you? I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I'm really excited. It's an awesome day. And I was really like fired up, mainly because I had a lot of coffee and I'd probably already done two workouts before work. (laughs) And that really charges me up. And that became my that became me, and that was more me than anything in the world. But I was consciously, I would say, you know, just indulging in the endorphins of being happy, joyful, and excited about life. And the physical location I had to go to, even though, yeah, I mean, it was dark and, you know, it was kind of corporate and, you know, I'd rather be home, you know, with my dog and, and working, working from remotely. I went into the office and I, I own, own the attitude, own my day. And I think that can be uncomfortable at first, but eventually whatever you do um, most often is going to be what you default to. So, does that make sense? Like if you continually go and do this, that's going to be your default. My default is to be happy and joyful and and to be engaging. I mean, I was super shy and and quiet, I would say long before, but that's not me anymore moving forward. So, if someone's looking to change things and stir things up, you got to go have experiences. You got to put yourself out into uh community you you have to feel that 
hesitation? Notice it? Oh, I feel so, do I have? Yes, go on in spite of that feeling. And it may be uncomfortable at first, maybe a few times too, but eventually it gets better. And eventually you understand that, let's circle back, detachment. It doesn't really matter what the outcome is. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. You're simply just having an experience that's nurturing your growth to becoming you, the true you. And that kind of like, ooh, this doesn't feel very good. You know, like, um, isn't that resistance, right? Isn't that a sure sign that that's your work? Resistance that we've probably been practicing. Yeah, like just- Over and over again. But in order to, you know, feel good in your skin, you got to walk through all the things that are keeping you from feeling good in your skin. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, yes, have experiences, for sure have experiences. Like the thing that you're, actually I'll speak to an experience. We would go to Lake Placid all the time uh, for Ironman when we lived back east. We started volunteering and then we started competing. Sometimes we competed, you know, I would do one year, you'd do another year. Not because of any reason other than, I don't know why we did that, but anyway, we were up there a lot, pretty much every, pretty much every Ironman Lake Placid for every year that we lived back east, the second time we lived back east after we moved back from Boulder. And after I got my yoga teacher training in 2013, we were leading, you were racing Ironman Lake Placid. And I remember getting this hit of like, teach yoga on the beach to the athletes teach yoga. And this was years before Yogi Triathlete became a business, but Yogi Triathlete was my blog where I talked, where I wrote about the intersection between endurance sports and yoga and how they both brought me to the same place from very different directions. And I knew, I knew that it was my future. Yogi Triathlete was my future. I didn't know what she was going to blow up to, but I knew she was my future. And I got this hit of like, teach, I just got this like teach yoga on the beach and it was so scary, but I knew I had to do it and it was so scary and I didn't know where to start, but I knew I had to do it. So I was like, I'm going to start with the visitors bureau because it's a town beach. So I should start with the visitors bureau. And I remember talking to the woman who like headed up the, the visitors bureau. And, uh, I think her name was Sue too. Sue Cameron. (laughs) That's right. Her name was Sue. And Oh, the response, I was so, I was like, they're probably like, there's going to be too much logistics, like, you know, waivers, insurance, blah, blah, blah. And like sent the email, got the return from the head of the woman, like the head honcho there, basically like, absolutely. We'd love to have you do this. And I was like, oh my God, freaking out. Okay. So that was months before we actually had to do it. So that's kind of the first like, like, all right, digest this. You're doing this, but you don't have to freak out because it's still months away. So you're going to have plenty of classes. You're going to feel more confident, all that good stuff. And then we just kept moving forward with it and then ended up becoming friends with this woman and we would see her. And then I remember in 2016, when we were up there, we were leaving Lake Placid to head west or head wherever we were going. And I remember getting like a text from her saying like, you have to bring Clark by the Visitors Bureau because everybody wants to say goodbye to him before you hit the road. And we were like, okay. 
So not only did that now become a tradition that we did every year, so we did it in 2013, 14, 15, and I believe I did it in 16 as well. And we taught yoga right there on the beach. And there was always like, you know, the next thing is like, is anybody going to show up? And people showed up, you know, like we always had, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 people there. People who we met there that eventually became members of Team Yogi Triathlete, um, come and gone, people who uh, we're still friends with today because of that experience we had. One of the women that we met through Yoga for Athletes during Ironman Lake Placid actually hooked us up with her brother in Ventura, California, and where he moved out of, him and his girlfriend moved out of their house and let us stay in their little apartment for Thanksgiving when we didn't have a home. Like, you can't script this stuff. The, the trickle effect of an experience that first hits you in the heart and then you get the courage to step forward and do it. The stories that came from me just being like, okay, I mean, there's no reason why I can't do this. I'm a yoga teacher. And everything that came from that, like it was so enriching and community and connection and people showed up and all the thousands of people that didn't show up got to see people doing yoga on the beach because we always taught two classes. I always taught two classes on Friday and Saturday before they did an Ironman. We were doing yoga and meditation on the beach in front of thousands of people. It was so cool. And we don't know the trickle effect of people who saw that, of what they did. They could have gone back to their hotel room and taken a breath. So if somebody's listening to this and was at that any of those yoga classes and it affected your life, we would love to hear from you. And it was, you know, I was, I was, I didn't know what I was trying to do. I was like trying to be a super cool Ironman triathlete. And I was trying to be like the best yoga teacher ever, because if you're competitive, you're going to take that into everything. And so I don't know, maybe it wasn't that good. Like maybe it was that good. Maybe it was the perfect people for the tone of voice that I had back then. But none of that is my responsibility. I just got to show up where, with who I am in that moment. And I know back then it was edgier. I know back then it was more bossy. <laughs> I know back then it was like more like, you know, that very direct type of tone that I used to have. But that was who I was then. And we're always evolving. So this is authenticity is not a destination. It's who you are in a moment and who you're showing up for. Like show up for the good of all. When you show up for the good of all, the walls have to come down. Yeah, and when the walls come down, your true self shines through. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes you get hit with a lot of that rubble on the way, but you you eventually pick yourself up. Yeah, and some things are just clearly going to be uncomfortable because you're getting to know yourself for the first time. Like, oh, I actually care about this. Like, I'm compassionate about this. Oh, because I know you always mentioned that word wasn't in your vocabulary early oh, compassion. on. I didn't know what it meant. But it's fun. It's a fun game to get to know who you are and then continually pull that thread on more of you. You know, the more you are you, the more other people will be, you're giving permission for other people to be themselves in all the moments of, I'll call it unworthiness that we all feel when we 
choke on a word or we trip and fall or, or we, you know, miss a workout. Like all these things that we really are so hard judging ourselves on. It doesn't matter. Grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's who you are. And it, it really asks you to step up to be more of who you are. And when you know who you are, then that becomes so natural that it, it, you don't see another way. Like I don't even see that person that I was six years ago, eight years ago. I don't even know how long it's been. 2014. What's that? Six, seven, eight, eight years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, I notice the tendencies of that, but I'm much more further along in the awareness, awareness area of it. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're going to screw up. Of course. We're, our, our human self is not perfect. Our, our perfection is within. Our truth is perfection. It's nothing to achieve. You already are. You already are. You already are whole and perfect and healed and well and loving and powerful. We already are those things. Uh, the imperfections are the things that keep us away from the truth of who we are. And so we got to experience those. And so we're not going to be perfect. And yeah, we might get judged. You know, we've seen people get taken down big time and it's like, whoa, (laughs) you know, like, and you just got to send them compassion, you know, whether it's a movie star or a president, like whatever. They're just people, you know, who have feelings and they're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but the truth of who I am is perfect. And so if I can just keep relaxing into that, um, that's the authenticity I want to shine for sure. So yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, get your journal out and, um, get clear on what it is that you love and what it is that you want, because those things that are already, you know, resonate deeply with you, those are, um, that's where you're going to find your effortless self pretty quick. Uh, you're also going to have to move through a lot of resistance because the ego will resist you stepping in and sharing your gifts. So also a great book is Stephen Pressfield's War of Art. It's, I think it's about writing. I read it so long ago, but it was definitely a game changer. Uh, it was about writing, um, but it can, it will apply to anything like resistance is resistance. And essentially it's like anytime we go to better ourselves, right? As we step into the perfection of who we already are, you're going to have resistance. So, but the courage to get through that, that also becomes effortless along the way. And the more you do that, the more momentum is building. And then that becomes the scales tip. And then you're always courageous. I love that. That's a great place to end. All right. Cool. Thanks, babe. Yeah, good good chat. Glad we could share it with all of you. Uh, continue to let us know if we can answer any questions for any of these O shows. Send them to us anytime. Uh, we can log them. And uh, thanks for listening and share with your communities. And if it resonates with you to be more courageous as you leave this conversation, put it into action. <laughs> <laughs>